What's new? You can download and listen to your favorite shows anytime you want. Podcast. What an odd name, but I digress. 24-7 access to KPFA. And a newsletter that lets you know what's happening on and off the air. See into the future? No, because the future is now. And you can help KPFA now by giving a year-end donation. And it's easy. Go to kpfa.org and make a secure donation. Be a part of KPFA's future by donating now. On behalf of KPFA, I, Michael the Web Guy, says thanks. You're listening to KPFA 94.1 FM in Berkeley or 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. Time is 3 p.m. Up next is Cover to Cover with Jennifer Stone, Stone's Throw. With Stay with us. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up. Those in darkness From the ones who walk in light Light them up, boys There's your picture Drop the shadows Out of This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw, and it's almost the end of 2008. Today is December the 30th, <laughs> 2008, and here comes the new year. Yes, um, the funny little babies, you know, on the covers of the magazines and all that rebirthing blathers. Um, actually, <laughs> I, I, I'm too old for these things. My good engineer, Veronica, suggested we play a little Guy Lombardo, and I think I shrieked. i telling you, I really think we've got to find a new way to be new. I don't know how exactly. Uh, I was listening to, <laughs> I was listening to the program on before, and the wonderful definitions of feminism. I love to use the F word. It's so out of date and out of fashion. I never do it anymore because I just get negative feedback. But I'll tell you what I think. I think, actually, I know that it's the, what is it? Equal is not the same, folks. It's the men who learn from the animals and the women who learn from the plants, which is why men stand up and women sit down. I was watching television last night. And I was thinking of the androgynous ideal, you know, Virginia Woolf's man-womanly and woman-manly. And thinking about this wonderful movie, Milk, you know, in which you have a gay man who is a a whole person, what Gertrude Stein calls all-in-one. And, uh, yes, he could not be one of two, as married people do and can. Anyway, uh, it occurred to me... It occurred to me that when I watch television and see all these horrific films of the war, I can count the women on one hand. 
It's the boys, yes, the testosterone. Uh, I'm not saying they're having a wonderful time, <laughs> but they, they sure look energetic. Uh, whatever, the, whatever the event, the scene, whether they're the good guys or the bad guys, it's all about boys going out and butting their heads together. I was going to read my favorite children's story today, but I'm sure you've heard me read it one time too many. It's called Ferdinand the Bull. It's the one about the little bull who just didn't want to fight. And uh, they took him to the bull fight, and they couldn't make him uh, get in there and shed blood no matter what they did. And it's a funny little, <laughs> it's a funny little book. He gets stung by a bee, and he goes so nuts that they think for a minute he would be worthy of the battle in the bull ring. But they were wrong. And so they have to take him home and leave him alone. And that book was written in the 1930s, and it got a reputation as a pacifist manifesto. <laughs> and it's by Monroe Leaf. It's called Ferdinand the Bull. And um, there's a paper in Cincinnati said that it would... Uh, it was anarchist and that it would uh, ruin American youth, you know, the sort of thing. I don't know. I guess it's because of what's happening this week in the news. I keep digging into a book that I've been carrying around for months. Uh, I read at it because it's too hard to read the whole thing cover to cover. It's called Stolen Voices, Young People's War Diaries from World War One to Iraq. And it makes me think always of Elizabeth Barrett Browning's lines. She wrote, um, Do you hear the children weeping? Oh, my brothers, her sorrow comes with years. They're leaning their young heads against their mothers. And that cannot stop their tears. What Elizabeth Barrett Browning knew was that it is the men who must save the children uh let's face it they do seem to be in charge the guy is still in charge uh i don't know uh why this goes unnoticed uh, the mainstream media seldom points it out once in a while they do say something to that effect or they'll say why is it you know that all these school shootings are perpetrated by young men, that sort of thing. And then they talk about socialization and, you know, boys not having enough to do, something like that. But you know, plenty of plenty of women without anything to do, yes. Uh, I'm looking here at my book, Stolen Voices, Young People's War Diaries, and I tried to remember the other day what it was like during World War II when I heard about the wars. And I think children in many ways are very strong they don't really uh they don't really take these things to heart the way we old people do here's something yes a slogan this is a boy in germany get this every prussian shoot a russian every german clobber a frog the serbs get what they deserve whether they're serbs or russian fiends will smash them all to smithereens <laughs> and then here's a a kind one yes uh this is from a little girl. Uh, she hears the soldiers singing and she says she could only understand a few lines that went. The little woodland birds sang such a wonderful refrain. In the homeland, in the homeland. 
there we'll meet again. What I found particularly interesting in this book is about things like a young woman from Palestine who escapes the war. She gets away. Uh, let's see, this is uh, January 2004. Uh, and she goes to America. And uh, it's lousy. <laughs> she writes, Day after day, my life in the United States is getting more and more meaningless, lacking hope. Not being in my Palestine has made me feel that there is no purpose in life. I lost everything. I left my university without even graduating. My singing career, which started a long time ago but became more professional since I started studying at Bethlehem University, stopped. What I sing is unique. I do not sing any regular songs. I sing national songs for my country. Songs about freedom, justice, peace. I remember when I used to stand on stage and all the students would be singing with me. It was the best feeling ever. She goes on to describe concerts she participated in in Jerusalem, Ramallah, and Hebron. And, yes, special songs um, of Lebanese singers and on and on. Anyway, uh, she's still in Chicago, this young woman. She graduated from Harper College, Northwestern, in 2006. Singing remains an important part of her life. And so on and so forth. Um <laughs> Here's a child, another young woman. Why is it the women keep so many diaries? Yes, there are plenty of young men in this book, but it is predominantly young women. Uh, in January of 2004, she writes, this is an Iraqi girl, keep in your mind every child or young person who has lost his future. Remember every beloved who has lost lover, every mother who has lost a child, every child who lost all he loved or family, uh, every poor family that lost a home. The world seems dark and bleak for me. People look only like monsters wanting to devour their prey and run away. I am this prey, lost among the multitude, frightened, scared, not knowing how to escape. Do I stay here and remain silent like this until they devour me, cut me to pieces, or do I run away from this alien world? Is this weak of me? My escape would not be an indication of weakness. Rather, it would be the song of my flight from injustice. I cannot find anyone who understands me, who listens to my inner thoughts. All are busy with their own pain, worries, and sadness. All they do is ask me why I am sad. I don't know. I really do not know the cause of my sadness, or perhaps I've been trying to forget about this bitter truth suppressed inside me for years. I have done all that I can to get myself out of this situation, to find someone who will take me out and carry me to another world. But what I'm always thinking of is the events that have made me such a devastated human being, running away from time, from truth. 
If I go back to reality and search carefully, I find that it is not my fault. It has been caused by the difficulties that I live through, the tragedy that does not want to leave, the years in which Saddam destroyed all our dreams and sowed hatred inside us instead of love. Saddam, who destroyed our lives and planted mines in the paths of young people and children. He created the situation in which we live today, our unusual way of life. A life full of mines, explosive devices. Parties who had no role in the past yet control us today. But we must believe in the people who entered our country to rid us of a tyrant. They say they want to bring happiness to our hearts. We should put our hands in their hands and stand together until the end of the road. Afterward, on that passage, um, this young woman, uh, let's see, lost a brother and so on and so forth. Uh, she wrote, my family suffered more from the last regime because my family had good principles and kept them even in bad and difficult circumstances. Uh, I thought of this passage uh, this week. I was watching a TV series on HBO called The House of Saddam. Uh, comes to us from the BBC. Incredibly good production values. It's about five hours long, parts one, two, three, and four. It's a long one to sit through. What was stunning was how, uh, I don't know how to say this, uh, how romantic and uh, beautiful they made Saddam Hussein and his family appear right up there with Rome. Now, they didn't tell any blatant lies, but every time an American or fellow from the CIA showed up, it seemed a bit a bit pale, a bit thin, you know. Um, pretty heavy, tragic stuff. The women were particularly uh, lugubrious, also terribly beautiful and tragic. Uh, the actor who played Saddam, I think... Uh, it's unforgettable. I've been thinking about him all week. And the two actors who played his sons, incredible performances. I bet you we got some some uh, prize winners here. And then the actor who played Hussein, the husband of one of Saddam's daughters, uh, he tries to he tries to run away. Goes to Jordan and tries to organize a coup with the CIA and uh, they stiff him <laughs> and he's stuck he finally decides to go back to go home to go back to Saddam uh, and Saddam in the Bedouin way uh, sees to it that his life comes to an end uh, we see oh golly all the way up to the scenes in which Saddam is hiding in that hole, that famous hole. Uh, and the Americans come and drag him out, and he's lying on the ground saying, uh, I'm the president of Iraq, and I'm ready to negotiate. And the way they put this show together, the BBC did, uh, it comes off like a Greek tragedy. I, uh, I was, I must say, quite surprised to see them give so much weight and um, I don't know what to call it, um, gravitas 
to the regime of this man who, after all, was one of the century's uh, tyrants. I, I guess there's something in us that admires power, even, even when it comes in that form. Uh, I, I don't think, what is it? I think what was most upsetting, uh, you know, if you remember seeing films of Saddam, he's always so kind to the children. He's so loving to his grandchildren, that sort of thing. Uh, the young boy, uh, the one that died in the shootout when Uday, then the two brothers are killed. That young man, uh, 14 was he, uh, they give him a gun. <laughs> he goes, goes to town with them, but, uh, I, I liked, uh, what is it, the old-fashioned notions reminded me of the series Rome. The women, of course, are not involved. They're always allowed to take their pretty dresses and, uh, you know, go to Jordan or Syria. Uh, so long as they have enough money, they'll survive, and uh, they're not part of the political brouhaha. Uh, <laughs> anyway, Stolen Voices is the kind of book that I would like to have uh, in a classroom and ask students to go around and pick the sort of reaction they think they might have to wars, whether or not they would get involved, whether or not they might find some beauty in patriotism. Uh, what I find in this book is that the children's lives are so suppressed. Uh, I remember being told once that during World War II, our parents had no time for us. Now, I didn't mind at the time. I liked running wild, as they said. Uh, I ran all over town, all over La Jolla. I remember running up and down the beaches at night. Sometimes the shore patrol would bring us home and say, get your kids off the beach, you know. They're lighting uh, bonfires down there on the beach, and the Japanese may see them. <laughs> anyway... Uh, I, I'm not sure these children in this book are mostly adolescent. They're old enough to be thoughtful and to write um, what I would call very pragmatic diaries. Uh, this is not uh, an Anne Frank kind of diary. Uh, yes, here she goes. This young woman in Singapore writes, Death, war, only then did I begin to realize what it meant. Some of the flowers, buds, died before serving their time. I had killed the flowers, not thinkingly, but it seemed symbolic of what war is. I imagined deaths and sufferings all caught in the web of war. What is war? A fight for freedom, power, a battle of one's right to peaceful living. War has reared its ugly head here to shatter our peace. We must fight to keep our peace. I return to the house. How best, how best shall I serve my country? There was a time I had envied other girls in the services, wished I was one of them. Now I have a chance to do my duty. Dad is a strict authoritarian. What he says goes. I bowed to his wishes, feeling bitterly disappointed. <laughs> yes. This gets me to my favorite essays by Virginia Woolf, in which she writes that fascism 
begins in the cradle at home, in the private home with the uh, father. She was referring to English fathers as well as German fathers. Uh, ah, the human soul that through me ran, and much it grieved my heart to think what man has made of man. I heard a thousand blended notes while in a grove I sat reclined in that sweet mood when pleasant thoughts brought sad thoughts to mind. And the girl goes on to uh, read Wordsworth and write his lines about uh, the mess we've made of things. Yes, there's a sonnet series of Edna St. Vincent Millay's, I think I'll save it for next week, in which she bemoans the loss of man she seems to think he's kind of a nice fellow, <laughs> you know, so very clever. But obviously, um, his cerebral cortex has got him into trouble, and he's not going to survive. Uh, this young lady, yes, she goes on to write all about the weakness of her mother, how the war is too much for her mom. Mm, yes, so this is war, this is what war does, dear God, what a waste of life, what devastation, to destroy the young, the old. And she goes on about the nonsense of glorifying war. Uh, she writes, my stomach gave me a lurch when I stumbled across an old woman, she was dying, blood oozing from her head and mouth. One leg was doubled under her. Her innards were laid open in the sunlight. Flies were feasting on her innards. One of her arms was missing. What a picture to remember. Her eyes stared at me. I tried to close them, but the lips kept retracting. I shuddered. The smell of burned skin was getting to me. I must have looked pretty green. A cup of steaming black coffee was pressed to my lips. I gulped down the hot fluid and felt the burning sensation go down my throat. I felt better. I thanked the young man in his brass helmet. He was with the medical aid service. They were here and there and everywhere, helping the people, dead and alive. <laughs> and then she goes on to write about driving the Japs back. That's This is 1942, kids. <laughs> We've surrendered to the Japs. It happened at 8.30 p.m. That is an amazing word. I remember hearing it when I was a child. We used to throw throw balls at Tojo at the fair. Uh, it was Hitler and Mussolini and Tojo, and we would try to knock them down with uh, balls. Yes. What days those were... World War II. I was talking to Veronica before this show began today, and we thought it might be fun to open the phones today since it's the end of the year, and since we have a new administration coming in, and I was going to write a letter to Michelle, Michelle Obama, and maybe to Hillary Clinton too, and ask them what they think they might do, what things they think they might do to help the children, that is, the children both here and everywhere, the children at war. Uh, first of all, I'd make everybody watch a movie called Turtles Can Fly. That's a film about Afghanistan, an absolutely stunning movie that I've watched maybe three times now. It's unbearably painful. Uh, 
the kids in Afghanistan, they're, they're like ancient old souls. Especially there's one young boy who's so, so wild and pragmatic. He just, uh, you know, if it, what is it, uh, he will take a, a bomb and turn it in, <laughs> in, into um, uh, a revelation for people. Anyway, Turtles Can Fly is the movie. And Veronica was saying that here in America, we may not have a fire war exactly, although I think we do, uh, but that we have some children that are in a bad way. Veronica, are you on the uh, mic in there? I'm here, Jennifer. Now, what, what, what is this business of giving our children away? I mean, you know, it's not wartime. Surely we can take care of our own kids here. Well, because of a glitch in the Nebraska state law, uh, similar to what we have in which people can drop off babies up to three days after their birth at a hospital or even a police station, a fire station, places like that, um, their law was kind of open-ended, so people, they were really surprised that people were coming across country to drop off their kids. A lot of them were teenagers, I have to say, and those of us who've um, raised teenagers can understand <laughs> at least <laughs> a temporary desire. But uh, We're you know, laughing here, we're laughing. You mean like babies, the way they used to leave them at monasteries oh, and yeah. nunneries in the Middle Ages? Put in the babies, movies, they were all cute in little bassinets, little, little baskets left on the doorstep. Yeah, you know, right. Kind of like a uh, one of those uh, welcoming gifts you get when you move into a community. Yeah, you, you saw the picture where the the person didn't have to be ashamed because they put the baby in a ba- in a sort of a um, oh like a uh, just a kind of a. A dish, you know, and then pass it to the inside of the gate. So yes, that, exactly. Yeah, so they didn't have to show their face, and the nuns would take the baby. Well, the serious issue is what's happening um, in our country. You know, it's very important how we deal with our children, how we raise the next generation. And obviously, this glitch in the law uh, revealed an, on a really serious problem that we have to address, I feel, culturally speaking. We used to have so many halfway houses here in Berkeley. I, I knew some kids years ago, and they did a pretty good job of taking care of themselves if they had enough money and resources, you know. How about, uh, what is it, homes? I tried to open one once, and I got into so much trouble with the neighbors and the law. It was years ago, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, it just can't can't be done, you know. I, well, I mean, it's, the problem is deeper than that, I feel, Jennifer, because... The kids nowadays tend to raise themselves like childhood is becoming a lost thing. Have you ever noticed uh, nowadays children uh, are so have access to so much knowledge? Instant adults. Exactly. Uh, as a matter of fact, I was having a conversation with my grandson just earlier today in which he was telling me um, his brother's uh, brother, who is 13 years old, my grandson is nine, I want to say, yeah. is going through puberty. And I said, well, how do you know he's going through puberty? He said he can tell because when he talks, his voice sounds like the voice of a 35-year-old man. Yeah. So I wanted to know, I, how does he get so conversant on the subject of puberty at nine years old? I think they call this received knowledge. The kids know everything, but they don't really know they know it. So they aren't <laughs> nurtured. Uh, so what I believe is that we need to 
recruit grandmothers. We need to have an army of grandmothers. The kids need to be nurtured. There you go. You want to volunteer? Yes. I, I'm already a, uh, a grandparent. I will, I, I will volunteer to take on one more grandchild. Oh, my gosh, Veronica. Just one. And can I say what age I want them to be? Okay. What about a phone bank? I always used to think a phone bank would be nice to start. You know, call a grandmother, you know, and oh, ask. Oh, yeah. Yeah, call a grandmother and ask, give her the problem, and we maybe she could. We can do that. And maybe she can tell you what to do. How about that? Jennifer, I think we should start that for 2009. What do you think? Let's try it. We're almost out of time here, okay. but I'm really serious about this. And anybody else who has any thoughts on it, just be thinking about it, and we can ask you next week. Yeah, write you me. You need to get involved, too. Yeah, write me a letter and say, you know, you say, dear grandmother, uh, my mother, blah, blah, blah. Uh, exactly. <laughs> you know. Say blah, blah, blah. blah put yeah, it in yeah, parentheses. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, and what should I do? Uh, if mommy is a commie, then you got to turn her in. You know the bit. Yes, exactly. Uh, and you're, it's okay to write if you're in your early 20s, right, Jennifer? I, I don't care. I don't believe in ages. I, okay. I, I myself am looking for a mother figure, but I've run out. Studs Terkel has died, and I don't have any parent figures left. All the great ones are gone. There's somebody trying to check in with us, but unfortunately, we're out of time, Jennifer. But we're going to do it. We're going to we do are. it. I think call, call a granny. Let's think of a title for it. I think uh, maybe the grandmothers, we used to call them crones, but people don't like that word. No, we don't. Well, maybe we can think of a better word for, um, what is it? Uh, yo mama. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yo mama. Obama, yo mama. That's Jennifer. That'll do it. Okay, we're serious, everybody. We just want you to know, Happy New Year. I'll see you Thursday morning at 820. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till then, go easy. And if you can't, go easy. Go as easy as you can. Till next year. Bye. Light them up, boys, there's your picture, drop the shadow.